everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Bogger-Milas, and I'm the editor here at Televisions, and joining me as usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Good morning. It's afternoon, babe. The only good mornings I've ever had were afternoon. Ooh, snap. That's profound. <laughs> Sorry. You better copyright that immediately or Taylor Swift is going to steal it for a lyric. <laughs> she probably already has. Well, I mean, th- there's the line in, in, in um, Antihero, whereas my midnights have become my afternoons. So, Ooh, Yeah, that's true. Um, no, I've actually been saying that for quite some time because um, I just it just always sort of felt like the right thing to say. Anyway, yeah. um, so uh, uh, how are you today, Lacey? <laughs> Uh, I'm still riding the high of the Good Omens renewal I finally got for my birthday, so I'm feeling great about this. Loving life. <laughs> and Happy birthday. Thank you. It's a, I considered it as a season, a celebratory season of me, as opposed to just uh, a single day. Yeah, Advent is a season, so yeah. <laughs> season of Lacey. Um, and I have a, since I have a December birthday, I do get, you know overrun by advent and christmas right. things and i had relatives who were definitely like hey here's something for your birthday christmas and i'm like that is cheating <laughs> but uh yeah this too shall pass or so they say as some of you might have guessed uh we have a guest on the show today for our very special episode uh i don't know if you guys at home count along with us the way that we do but we are dropping a couple of extra episodes this year because there was just too much content so welcome contributor sophie broke over and uh tell the people what we're talking about well hello thank you for inviting me back uh slash accepting my enthusiastic um invitation of myself to to this lovely afternoon slash morning <laughs> these emails were pretty like stalker level just so you guys know she's like really ready to talk about Uh this um so today we are going to be talking about the sixth and final season of the crown i i okay so um the thing about the crown is that we were originally going to do this in november when we thought it was going to drop as one season and then the uh heads at netflix in their all their conventional wisdom thought it would be smart to split it in half, which is why you are getting this episode on Boxing Day. Um, so congratulations. This is your Boxing Day special crown episode. And I would like us to discuss this in the order that we received it. So could we, Sophie, would you start us off with talking about the crown part one, which was the first four episodes ending with the passing of Diana? Yes. So uh, it's it's just four episodes um, and I can kind of understand why they might have wanted to treat it separately. And we'll get into more detail about that in a bit. Um, so this is all about um, the summer of 1997, basically. Um, Diana and Charles are fully divorced um, and theoretically she should be footloose and fancy free, but the paparazzi just simply cannot give her any space to breathe and she hates being in England in part because of that and in part because she just feels like no matter what she does it's not ever 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 good enough for the Mountbatten Windsors um she goes to the south of France where uh Mohammed Al-Fayed who is the father of the soon to be late Dodi Al-Fayed um offers her to you know just like come hang on this lovely yacht, you know, you don't have to deal with a paparazzi, 
bring the boys. It's going to be a lovely, lovely time. And sometimes are lovely and sometimes are less so. And very sadly, she and Dodie are in a terrible, fatal car wreck in Paris. And things go from there. So how did you feel about this, this, this... This four, this four episode collection. Yeah. Uh, so in retrospect, so now that I have watched the the chunk of the the second set of episodes, I actually like it better in retrospect than I did when I first watched it. And I think a lot of that is down to um, Elizabeth Debicki's performance as Princess Diana. Um, just I think that it is, you know, everybody talks about, you know, how, how closely or not um, various actors cast in roles as real people uh, resemble the people who they're supposed to be playing. And, you know, she's much, much taller than the actual Diana was. Um, but the way it's not just her voice, although I think she does nail the voice and that's amazing because um, it's such a tricky one to do. Um, but the physicality of Diana as well. Uh, the way she holds her head, the way she moves her body, the way she walks, the way that she gets the clothes to hang on her, which is, you know, partly her and partly, of course, the, the costume department. Um, I just think that what she did was remarkable. And it was the, that that kept me engaged, even when I was rolling my eyes a little bit, which I did multiple times you know the you didn't you didn't love ghost I diana i did not love the ghost diana i did not love the ghost dodie although i i actually i found him more affecting than her a little bit um i think because it was she'd had conversations sort of like that with charles previously when she was alive um whereas i think the conversation between ghost dodie and his father was probably the most honest conversation the two of them ever had which is itself like <laughs> That's really sad because it was pretend. Sorry, there's legit no way that Ghost Diana's first move would be to tell Charles how great it was that he cried next to her dead body. <laughs> like, keep it. <laughs> keep it. Although I do hope that he did cry over her dead body. Like, I, 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 I can't think of what it was that she would have said, except, I mean, maybe some words that we're not going to say on this family-friendly podcast. Um we but do yeah, keep a PBS around here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I hear well, you. except for last week's, which had to come with a content warning, so it's fine. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did not care for those, and I honestly like part of it is the absurdity of it, and the other, and I, I'm sure there's other things that maybe the two of you will, will bring out that I'm just not able to put my finger on at the moment. But as I was thinking about this in the you know last hour or so before we uh, came to hang out here today, I thought, okay, well. It didn't bother me when, uh, and I'm just going to say sorry to anyone who has not watched The West Wing, uh, but I am going to spoil a certain thing. Um, when Mrs. Landingham died um, and she, her ghost in the third season then like visits Jed Bartlett to sort of smack some sense into him the way that she had done when she was alive. And that didn't bother me. But also those are all fictional people. and. I think the thing with the ghosts is that it is asking us to cross like one extra bridge that is just a little too far for me, which is like it. the crown has always done this elaborate and tricky tap dance routine where it's 
history. But also we have to use our imaginations. Like <laughs> you know, it wants the show particularly early in in its run like I think wanted viewers to perceive it as like quasi documentarian or at least like a legit very historical historical fiction document. Yeah. And that has become less and less possible as the events that they cover get closer and closer to where we are now in time. Um, and uh, also like, it's yeah, it's just, it has gotten trickier and trickier as, as the series has gone on. Um, yeah. I'm sure there's other reasons for that, but yeah, no, the ghosts, mm, I, I, my feeling about this entire set of, of 10 episodes, these final episodes are that gosh, like Peter Morgan, I think is just really tired. <laughs> All right, Lacey. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts, and I'm sorry I'm going to break your rule about keeping it in sections because my complaints are very, like, overarching to the whole season, to the whole sort of enterprise of this show, to the decline that I think the show has been on in recent seasons. I think the real Elizabeth Windsor dying is the worst thing that ever happened to the ground because they Peter Morgan went crazy. And suddenly, like, everything that made sense to me about this show is jettisoned from the show is sidelined from the show. Suddenly Charles is a completely different figure than we've seen in earlier seasons. And it's all about like, I guess we're sucking up to the new King. Now he's not going to give you a knighthood. My man, he saw season four. Um, You know, I'm not wrong, but I feel like I have so many problems with this season and, and with the Diana segment I don't think splitting it did it any favors. Splitting it made those four episodes feel like a really weird Lifetime movie. And let me tell you, my friends and I have drunk watched a lot of Lifetime movies about the royal family, including the one where Harry or William or both of them see her as like a spirit of a tiger in the Serengeti in Africa. Oh my God. So like the bar is low. (laughs) But I feel like this show was originally sort of put forth as a show about Elizabeth. And I feel like as it has got, I've said this before on the show, I've said this on other shows, I've written pieces about this. As the show has gotten further and further away from that premise, it has gotten worse and worse. And it is not an accident that the worst episodes this season are the ones that forget this show is supposed to be about Elizabeth. And it's supposed to be about, yes, it's supposed to be about the crown as an institution, but it's supposed to be about why Elizabeth is like the sort of platonic avatar of this institution. And I just like... In, in a stroke of genius or madness, if you guys listen to this episode, we watched Peter Morgan's The Queen right before this season started, which is just an order of magnitude better than anything they do with Diana here. And the tonal and narrative whiplash between that movie and how they handled Diana's death in the show and how they handle Elizabeth's reaction specifically to Diana and the loss of Diana is like almost offensively bad. I just like the treatment that like it comes back a little bit by the end when somebody realized that, hey, we have to like end the show and find a point to end it on. But I super, super hate how secondary Elizabeth feels to proceedings. I super, super hate the weird Charles revisionism that's like crazy. And I hate that the four episodes that devote to Diana dying are like 80 percent not about Diana at all. They're about how her death impacts various men in her orbit. I know more about how Muhammad Al-Fayed feels about Diana dying than I know about how Elizabeth Windsor feels about Diana dying. And that is expletive up. All right. Um, so, first of all, 
I want to absolutely agree with you about the fact that splitting off these four episodes was incredibly stupid. But we'll get to that in a minute. Um, these four episodes, I actually referred to episode four as the Antiqueen um, after watching it because that's what it felt like. It felt like Peter Morgan had written this one already, so he had to write it from the other angle. So he wrote it from, so he wrote the opposite and it didn't work because the queen was perfect and this was not. Also, you're right. Elizabeth is dead, and just like Shakespeare, Peter Morgan is writing to flatter his monarch. So he had to write to flatter the new monarch, which is a complete 180 from the first five seasons when his monarch was Queen Elizabeth. And so suddenly he's flattering the hell out of Charles. And I was there, you were there, you were there. No. Okay? No. Absolutely not. This was in some ways, unintentionally hilarious on in, in places because it was just so far from the truth and so far from reality and so, so utterly removed from reality. The, the best moments were when, like, Jonathan Price, who also, by the way, is classing up the hell out of, like, the real yeah. Prince Philip, like, yeah. just comes by and, like, punctures that balloon and keeps walking. Right. Like those moments in those first four episodes were like the best ones because Charles's delusion of what he is is so far from like reality, Charles, that I was just like, what am I watching? Like, this is not. Like I said, I watched the Lifetime movie where Diana's spirit is embodied by a literal jungle cat. <laughs> and it was maybe better than this. Okay, So those first four episodes, like I really did dislike very badly when I watched them the first time. And then we got the second half episodes, which, by the way, none of us got as screeners ahead of time. So we all watched them when they dropped here. So we didn't have any chance to see them beforehand and, like, get, like, a sense of what it should have been like. And that was incredibly stupid on Netflix's part. Okay. I understand why Netflix did this, okay? We saw what they did with... with they, they did it by accident with Stranger Things and they got this massive ratings bump where everybody went back and watched all the early Stranger Things episodes and they were like, ooh, let's do that with The Crown. It's the last season. This is a perfect place to split it in half. You know, there's this big time jump. Let's do that. We'll get everybody to watch all the seasons of The Crown in between these two, in between, just the way they did with season five when she died. It'll be perfect. The thing is, is that this isn't, Stranger Things is a show that is an episodic television that they happen to drop as a binge. The, the Crown is not episodic television. It is binge television. It is meant to be watched as a binge. It is written to be watched as a binge. The show was meant to be watched as 10 episodes. And when I watched episode five, I got actively angry because this was so obviously supposed to be watched directly after episode four. And it made episode four feel whole in a way that no 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 i know you disagree with me Lacey. don't even start but honestly it may like like sophie said for me it really did make those first four episodes feel different just by watching episode five now i'm not saying the charles revisionism was any better but at least having the diana stan arguments coming out of someone's mouth even if the only actual argument against them was, again, Jonathan Price classing up Prince Philip, walking in there and going, that's very mean of you. 
as as the as the only argument to be made, and somehow that wins. Uh, doesn't matter. At least, like it felt like suddenly, like the if we had watched it as a ten episode series, I would not have been nearly as offended by those first four episodes if I had seen it as a set. Interesting, and that. That to no. me was really <laughs> I know that I know, but that to me, like it really made me angry that they'd split it because for me, those other six episodes, if I had seen it as a group, episode four would have felt like a glitch and not like a really bad choice. And this is also, you know, you said that you feel like the show has been going downhill for several seasons now. I feel like ever since Diana came crashing into this show in season four that the show has been sort of taken over by Diana. Like the, the monarchy has just sort of been dragged into her orbit and they are they are no longer the center she is. And I think the only reason that season four didn't feel like it was, uh, that, that didn't feel imbalanced is because she came in halfway through and so Emma Corrin couldn't drag everybody off because everybody already had a season under their belt when she walked in. So she wasn't, she, she, they, they all, they all had their own gravitas of a season of already playing it for a season. So, so everything was more balanced, but season five felt unbalanced because from the beginning, Debbie, uh, Debicki had the center of gravity and everyone was revolving around her. And those four episodes, I mean, it was the Diana show and then she died and, oh, hey, look, there's the crown again. I mean, I think that those what you're saying about the show like being sucked into diana's orbit uh, i i generally agree with you about that i think that that actually does reflect reality the reality like that's and to the degree that it uh, upended like the focus of the crown I don't know. I, I don't know. That I that's, don't think it should have. I think they should okay. have kept the focus within the actual. I think that the, I think that was wrong. I don't actually think that was on purpose. No, I don't think so either. I think that that was a mistake that the show <laughs> accidentally imitated history. I think I agree with you. So I agree with you, Sophie. I think that would actually if they had actually if I felt like they had actually planned mm-hmm. it that way, like that was meant to be sort of like a meta reflection yeah. of how there was Diana Mania or whatever, that would be one thing. I would still be like, whatever. But I don't think they did that on purpose at all. No. I think it was just an accident. And suddenly they brought on Diana and that was what people remembered and the show got super popular. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ratings shot up between oh, really? three and four. Oh, no. Oh. From from episode seasons one, two, and from, three. Like, normal people, not just us who watch all this stuff. <laughs> no, 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 no. Seasons one, two, and three were like were like a a a a, 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 a an unpopular HBO show rate oh. level ratings. Like it was like a couple million, two million, three million. Like it wasn't a very popular show. And then season four hit, and they hit Stranger Things levels. I see. I I had no idea. That's very interesting. Well, that just shows you how like you know each of us is trapped in our own perspective you know until we hear something different um yeah because it's the second that they announced that this show was coming to netflix i was like oh i can't wait oh, we'll 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 get to we'll get to that because i do actually want to talk about the crown as an entire thing also yeah. but yeah. i honestly like i actually liked the 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 last six episodes much better than i liked the first four I thought that the the Leslie Manville episode that I had oh. been waiting for finally showed up. Finally, finally, 
Amelia Staunton finally got to play the queen. <sighs> finally. <laughs> like, after a season and a half. Every uh, moment of that episode, which was the strongest of mm, the entire by season. By far. Like, not even, it's not even close. It was just, mm, no. so weird that it was about who? Oh, wait, the show's central character. And, ah, so weird. And her most significant relationship. With her sister. It just highlighted to me what an absolute crime, series of crimes, the last two seasons have perpetrated against Imelda Staunton and Leslie Manville. Because... <laughs> If there were ever two actors who have never once put a foot wrong on camera, wow, 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 wow. I mean, that was genuinely affecting and oh, I didn't feel manipulated. That's nope. the other thing is that very often in, in this season in particular, I, I did feel even when I was like, I had multiple thoughts happening at the same time. Like, ooh, Elizabeth Debicki's performance. That's amazing. Oh, Dominic West. Not saying he's a bad actor. He's a very good actor. But he kept doing so many Jimmy McNulty from The Wire things <laughs> with his face. Correct. And I was just like, dude. I just, he was just not the, I mean, no, no shade to the guy. He, he's, he's a, a good great actor, actor yeah. but he was not the right pick no. for this part. Yeah, no. I mean, I, they absolutely tried. This is not for lack of effort, visually or in terms of his preparation. It's just, he might not actually be capable of making his face do things other than what Jimmy McNulty does with his face on the wire. Um, yeah. You know, honestly, like I, I, I mean, I have a lot of complaints too. Okay. Honestly, like who, who thought Bertie Carville would, would make a good Tony Blair. Another, another dagger from having just watched the queen. Oh. I'm like, Oh no. I mean, no one, no one ever will be able to hold a candle to Michael Sheen in that role. Impossible. It's true. But also like that uh, Bertie Carvel as Tony Blair was straight up Michael C. Hall as JFK levels oh, of gasping. Like that was bad. Like that was super bad. And I was it's very unfortunate because I quite love him as an actor. Oh, I do too. I love the Daglishes. I think he's great. And I'm like, what is he doing here? This is so bad. Um, that episode was probably that episode was dragged down because he was because he was so obviously miscast. Um, even though and, and there were great moments in it, those that the dreams that Emilia Staunton has of him oh, as king, oh, those were, they were hilarious. I just think it's a very weird choice, especially again because this is from the same man who made the Queen. Mm -hmm. That that this Tony Blair is utterly absent from what you could argue is one of his most successful moments of his entire time in government and he doesn't talk to them once during it nope and instead he just shows up for this other random thing yep. and is like bffs with bill clinton yep and he's and he's, and he's basically presented as a warmonger like i just like i was like what is even happening here but then again i also couldn't get over like bertie carville's entire like endealment on screen so i was just kind of like what is happening in this episode um you know i thought the kids were cute that third harry that last one the the kid luther ford Oh, oh! He looks like a Weasley brother. He does oh, look yeah. like a, he, he looks like a lost a lost Weasley. But that kid is good. Or, or does anybody else? My favorite Christmas movie is A Christmas Story. He looks like a slightly more posh Scott Farkas. <laughs> I would love to see a version of The Crown 
that covers this era uh, with something that one might possibly be able to say with a straight face is subtlety. Like mm. there, that, that was just completely absent. And I'm not saying that like previous seasons were super duper subtle. They weren't. Um, but it was, I felt like there were so many moments where let, let me back up a little bit. I'm the type of person who suspends disbelief so well and this is not a compliment to me, uh, that like my grandmother had to take me out of the movie theater on multiple occasions when we saw like Disney's Robin Hood and Benji and Little Orphan Annie. Like literally any time there was anything approaching like real danger or emotional intensity, I would just sob. And the only episode in this entire season that made me tear up and I did cry was the the one that focused on Princess Margaret and um and and the queen, um, you know, this, this whole thing, those are motherless children like that. It, that should absolutely, and has absolutely gotten me like directly in the heart, uh, in the past. And this time I got a little misty when I saw ugh, the envelope that said mummy on her casket. I'm tearing up now it. that happened like almost 30 years ago. Um, yeah, but that was it. Like I'm, I'm, I am squarely in the like, hand me all those Kleenex. I'm just going to sniffle for a while demographic. And this season did not really hit the mark. No, I, I have to say that Ed McVeigh did his best, I think, with what he was given for William. But he really, I don't, I, I, I Meg Bellamy is a new person who had never acted before. And I'm sure that, that she did. And she, again, I felt like she was also doing everything she could. And probably this was her best and what she could do. And I, I'm not faulting her in any way. But I do feel like they were not given proper material here. Yes. I think, yes. I think Luther Ford is the only one who's given anything to work with. Um, yeah. I think yeah. he knocked it out of the park. Um, honestly, I think the best scene that 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 Meg Bellamy gets is the one where she's uh where she's up against Eve Best as her mother. Right. Um mm-hmm. uh in in episode 7 where basically Eve Best Eve Best is basically they make they make Catherine Middleton into the evil. Um well, I just think he's a nice boy and he needs a nice girl nice normal girl and like you know the inner jew inside me was just like oh 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 how how selfless of her oh she just wants the prince to have a nice normal girl oh oh, all our mothers should be so selfless (laughs) you know i'm sorry anyway but like honestly like when she was up against eve best i thought that was the best scene of like that she got the whole time but like luther ford was was of the kids he's the one to watch in my opinion opinion yeah I, the, I appreciate you bringing it back to that because when i sent myself on a little tangent about and uh, what i meant to say is the the actor who played harry in particular there were a whole bunch of moments where i was just like okay either you lifted that directly out of spare which i did read in its entirety <laughs> or or i was just like god i can feel that he is delivering lines like like, and now I will tell you about my feelings, you know? And I was just like, if that could have emerged in anything approaching a naturalistic way, that would have been so super great. <laughs> like, that's... Yeah, I mean, I, I am trying simply to evaluate the material before us. Like, I, I am really, really trying hard not to say, I wish it had been like this. Because um, that's, you know, 
that's not the job. But I, I do think I do think there is definitely an issue here where, um, as you say, the fact that we know how it all ends got in the way. Um, and I think the fact that, like, in the earlier seasons, the fact that people don't know that history was helpful to the show. Mm, yeah. So when it embellished, it could get away with it in a way it can't hear. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm also not letting the show off the hook for that. Those are choices. Yes, they are. There were choices that were made here. And so a lot of them are very lazy choices. I will tell you, I actually really liked a lot of the stuff they chose to do with William. Oh, say more about that. that. Which I did not expect to. Not a, I thought the Wills and Kate stuff was kind of like whatever. But I really liked the stuff they did with Will and his grandmother. Oh, yes. I thought they were drawing a lot of really interesting parallels between... Um, because I remember really clearly all that gossip about how we should just skip Charles entirely and like mm. like let King William 100%. let King William reign. Yes. And I can kind of see the through line there because the show sets I think it's such an interesting choice that the show the show sets up this very clear parallel between Elizabeth and William because it's also so busy mm. talking about how great Charles is, but like Charles does not fit in that in that line. Nope. And they do a lot of interesting things with with uh one of the things I've always really loved about the show and about Peter Morgan's like entire kind of concept of his idea of who Elizabeth Windsor is, is that he really gets the fact that for her, it's not about like being queen. It's like it is whether my life be short or long, like I will live it in service to you and to this role that I have to fill. Like she really went to her grave thinking that that is something that she has been like divinely called to do. And it is an honor and a service and not like. Um, not like she should get to have a bigger party because the Archbishop Canter of Canterbury is mad at her or whatever. And I feel like they were trying to draw a lot of real parallels between like how Elizabeth sees service and the role of kingship to how William was kind of coming around to it in a way that I don't think Charles ever had the capacity probably to do because William was the one making a lot of really hard kind of like compromising choices for like the betterment of the firm right. mm. so to speak or the betterment of the institution in the same way that his grandmother does and they get a lot of really great scenes together where that really came through for me and also William is the one who gets to say all the the, the very few criticism of Charles get to come out of William's mouth yes. which I think is also an interesting choice uh, I did I did like that and that was actually to me again why I really liked episode five and that I felt what if I had watched episode five directly after episode four it would have made episode four much more palatable to have those criticisms at least lobbied instantly the next episode to hear them. And I think that that was part of my pro that was part of the problem is that none of that happened because Will isn't old enough until we have the time jump to start lobbying, to start lobbying them. And so splitting the show really, it, it, it just, it was just such a, it was just such a, a poor choice on the part of Netflix. It's like, does Netflix not understand its own shows? And and they're going to do this with Bridgerton, which also is a show designed. I, mean, I, don't know if, I don't know if you watched The Witcher, but their decision for where to split the most recent season of The Witcher was wild. Again, shows designed to be watched as a binge should not be split. It's one thing to do it with shows that are episodic. Bridgerton is not an episodic show. The Crown is not an episodic show. And this is this is very concerning to me that Netflix does not seem to know the difference. 
I feel like if they, the whether or not they know the difference, I don't think that that's the reason. I don't think that plays a role in the decision making. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they, I don't think they care. No, I don't think they care. I think they want more people to have subscriptions for another month and to have two rounds of big eyeballs to report instead of one. It's, I think it's really straightforward. I I know it is. And that frustrates me too. Um, Because I've, you know, to me, it's always about the art. Um, speaking of um, yeah, you quoting Claire Foy like that, um, I have to say of all this of all the episodes, um, eight and ten were my absolute standout favorites. Um, eight because I mean that was the, that was the Leslie Manville uh, oh, yeah. Melda Staunton episode that yeah. I had been waiting for for two seasons, and then episode ten because it was the it was the three queens four queens episode. And it really, like, I know that there's a lot of hokiness in it. And I know that there's probably, for Lacey, it was ruined by the fact that we have um, this this wedding crammed into it as as Charles bullies everybody into letting him marry Camilla. Uh, and I and I can understand that. But honestly, like, watching Elizabeth, uh, watching Elizabeth and Philip plan their own funerals was delightful. Oh. Yes, I, I liked that part very much. I loved that part. That yeah. part for me was so good that it actually, like, the fact that there was this annoying wedding in the middle of it was just kind of like, ah, whatever. Um, well, I hated the wedding, as everyone who knows me as a card-carrying Camilla unenjoyer will know. <laughs> um, I just thought that was a really weird place to kind of end the show on because it sort of felt like it sort of felt like Peter Morgan like wanting to have it both ways. Like, look. This is the dawn of the new era, but also JK, Liz is going to be around for another two Jubilees after this. So buckle up. Right. right. Like, I don't know. It's really like, I, I don't know. The, the, their attitude, the way that the past two seasons of, of just how Charles has been written are, is honestly just baffling to me. Like, it's just true. It's truly baffling. I don't know what his like arc is supposed to be or what I'm supposed to be taking away from this. But watching him sit there and whine that like the lady he had an affair with for however many years was just really a heroic person underneath was just like in a bucket. My vomit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was too far. I really think that they should have like that. I would choose to leave out. Do you know what? If they really wanted to do more of like why people were so resistant to this so long, what they should have done was more of the scenes with the archbishops. Yep. Because people forget that she literally is the head of the church in England and the choices that she makes for herself and her family do not stop at her front door. They are literally setting precedent for an entire like religious organization. Yep. So it it affects more than that. But uh, the thing is though, like the scene with the archbishops I viewed them as completely ridiculous. Only two of them were archbishops. Fun fact. (laughs) The gentleman in the maroon robes. (laughs) The one with the beard or the slightly bald one? I mean, they were all wearing maroon, but the the two that, yeah, I I see what you're saying. The two that were speaking. The one with the beard is Canterbury. I'm assuming the other one was York. Oh, okay. I thought maybe Winchester, but yeah. So they, to me, to my eye, in that scene... But they looked ridiculous. It looked like a phalanx of old men coming to bully, like, an incredibly, you know, an old lady. Like, Yeah, but she's their boss. She's literally their boss. Yeah, I know. But they came, they came, to me, their behavior was... She summoned them because she's their boss. I just think it's, like, I know that's how a lot of people, I'm not being oh, no, funny, no, no. Actually, I know I didn't, that's how a I didn't... lot of people, like, like, uh, like, view kind of the church coming into things like this. But it is really historically significant because usually 
the monarch and the head of the church are not the same person for reasons that are basically this. Right. Um, and it's why it was such a big deal when Henry VIII did it so he could get divorced. Thanks, Henry VIII. But I don't know. I thought that was much more interesting than just being like, Camilla just sucks. I mean, I agree that Camilla just sucks, but it makes for better television to be like, here's why, like, structurally, this institution needs to consider these things. Yeah. Beyond the fact that just like you had an affair and were a crap eat your wife. Right. I, I just, I, I think that they were in a bind. There's really like, it, I think had they left it at Camilla frequently offering sound mental health and parenting advice oh my gosh why is all of her advice like i'm just gonna call you to like tell you sage wisdom i mean she was right i I have no quarrel with any of that i was like all right good maybe she is that insightful if not they needed they needed someone some actual grown-up uh to say like well charles the problem is basically it's you like i love you so much also, you are you got you got to do better at this job that you're doing as a father, because right now you are just not doing it. Um, yeah, I, I think that they could have left it at that and and spared us the she's a hero. Yeah, stuff. But yeah, I'm sorry. I was laughing so hard when he was like, she's he she she suffered. Her husband left her. And Elizabeth's like. And remind me again why her husband left. I got it. Okay, again, and part of the reason why I also loved episode 10 is because we get to see Amelia Staunton queen. We get to see her queening it up all over the place. It is, it is, it is her, it is her other strongest episode. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful at it. And it's really annoying that they wasted her for so long. And, and she get, and not only does she get to queen it up all over the place, but she gets to queen it up with her fellow queens. We get to bring back, we get, we bring back Coleman. We bring back Foy. And I, I'm not going to lie. I have a Pavlovian response to, to, to bagpipes. Okay. They, they, they signal signal funerals. They just do. And so that scene where the guy plays the bagpipes and that lady just sits down and starts singing. I burst into tears. I too randomly burst into song when I hear bagpipes. I I don't at all. I know. Um, I know. I know. I don't care. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't care. It didn't matter. I was crying. And then we get to the end and they recreate her coffin with the flowers and that long walk. And I just suddenly had this moment of, you know, if they just hadn't split this season, if they just given this to me, I'd have, uh, it'd have been enough. Well, I got to tell you, I, I, I kind of, I thought that the addition of the returning queens was a bit unnecessary to make the point that the show was trying to make. I also will go to my grave believing that Elizabeth Windsor never, for once in day in her life, thought about putting down that crown ever. Oh no, I absolutely yeah. don't believe that. I don't ever. believe that. That did not happen. That woman would never. No. Like, so that's just BS to me. Also, before I even saw the episode, I saw this picture of like Imelda standing in the front with the two queens flanking her in the back. And somebody goes, doesn't this look like somebody on Twitter was like, doesn't this just look like they're looking, they're deciding whether or not to use the moment to erase Gallifrey? And I was like, <laughs> well, it's a very specific joke. But for the five of you that get it, it'll be great. Oh my god! Um, I, I I am so fascinated right now by how Annie. I am not saying this to take away any no, 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 of no. what was resonant for and worked for you 
in that final episode, but the the long for you walk that was too much out of the church. Oh my god! Well, first of all, like, into like I, the gl- into like the glow of heaven's light. Was, didn't you love it that? It was bad enough, honestly. Like, was I, it bad enough? The Shakespeare, the the fact that that dude turned around and started reciting Shakespeare at us when they were taking the picture made me burst out laughing. Oh, it was dry. It's a it's dry. It's Dryden, by the way. Oh, it's not Shakespeare. Not Shakespeare. So uh, I'm I'm just check looking at my notes from when I watched this this episode. Um, um, oh Lord, Olivia Coleman. <laughs> uh, I have multiple feelings here. I love to see them on screen together. Uh, but this is a weird way to dramatize interiority. Not which they have they have done successfully before using memories, like using flashbacks. And they do incorporate that to a certain extent with like the home, the home movies um that uh that Elizabeth watches. Um but this was like, I just felt like a literal conversation with your past self is so hokey. And I get that it's like a callback to what they did with the ghosts of Diana and Dodie. But I didn't think that was a terribly good choice then. And I thought it was a disastrously bad choice here, in spite of how happy I always am to see Olivia Coleman and Claire Foy on screen. Um, I would say that I uh, I loved oh I wanted to know this is like my one genuine if I were interviewing Peter Morgan I would ask this question which is how much of the Queen Elizabeth II like trying to get that film projector to work how much of that was ad-libbed <laughs> that's what I really want to know I think that was my favorite moment in the entire episode that was it that was a hilarious moment. it was I great really love that and it was and it and it felt it just felt so correct yes well and it was a great little also a good so the show does do callbacks it, it's capable that's i think that's the thing i also jotted down to myself today during this conversation i am less angry more disappointed like mm. it's because i know it can do better i know it we've seen it do better um it, it was a fun callback to me to last season when uh, William came to hang out with Granny at Windsor and was like, I don't know, doing some other VCR or whatever. Yes. I was like, oh boy, that is relatable. <laughs> um, I know. I was the kid that had to fix the VCR. That speaks yeah, to me. Yeah. Um, so honestly, though, um, speaking of which, I, I did actually want to talk about like this, the crown as a whole. Okay. Because... The crown was greenlit back in 2014, okay? What within a year of Netflix first making original programming, back when it still said things like we will never cancel a show. Back mm. when it said things like we are here to disrupt television. Back when it really and truly believed that it was somehow different. And it doesn't do things like this anymore, okay? These these grandiose, we are going to greenlit six, se- we're going to greenlight six seasons, sight unseen, three casts. Every two years, we're going to recast this thing nose to tail, right? Like, that's crazy. No one does that. And at this point, Netflix would never do that now. Like, this is a once in a, in a blue moon thing of its of of a very very small sliver of time that 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 just happened to exist because of a of a of a of a array of circumstances that may never come again and i just 
and they pulled it off. They never canceled it. They never they never shrank it down. Peter Morgan even tried to get out of season six because he didn't want to get too close to 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 Prince Andrew and his problems, basically. Yeah. More than anything else. Like more than Harry and Meghan, more than any of those other things. The thing he really and truly didn't want to get anywhere close to was Prince Edward. Or Prince Andrew, sorry. So so and that's why they end in 2004 instead of 2012, which was the original stopping point planned, which is why it feels weird that we stop in 2004 because that wasn't the original ending point. Um, and that I, but they did it. They actually did in the end give us six seasons, three casts every two seasons, three A-list casts every two seasons, even if they didn't use them properly sometimes. They really freaking did it. They really added 10 episodes every season. They really did it. And I, I, I can't get, there's a level where even for all its faults, the crown really is such a triumph for just doing, the, they did the thing, damn it. <laughs> and I don't know if, I, I don't know, is that, do, am I the only one who feels that way? How do you two feel? I really want to know if I'm like the only person who, 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 for that, 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 that really matters. <laughs> To me, to me, like I, I agree with you. Th- those are absolutely things that happened, and and they're they were significant <laughs> when the show was originally greenlit, and they have become more significant as the years have gone by, and Netflix has become you know pretty ruthless about canceling shows a couple of seasons in, or in the case of ugh, my beloved and forever lamented Teenage Bounty Hunters, after just one season. Um, I mean, it has ads now. It's, it's it does. It's, you know, Netflix has ads now. It has an ad tier now. Wow. Okay. I'm, I I apologize to listeners who view at that level. I that was a reflection of my paying full price, <laughs> like premium <laughs> tier uh, privilege. There, I I do. I didn't realize that. Thank you for letting me know. Yeah. They Netflix literally. I mean, Netflix has ads now. It, it, every season is huh. renewed. The, there is no guaranteed second season. All right. Of, you know what? television disrupted Netflix right on back. People. Right. Yes. I mean, I, like, mean, I think that what they were doing was uh, had like a, a ticking clock on it from jump. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. just that like, I, I, I don't want to implicate other people. I was definitely too naive to think about that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I agree. Like the, you know, fall being able to follow through entirely on it's like 98% of the original plan is is a remarkable feat particularly over the course of so much time when so much has changed changed back like now we are you know i am back to being really happy that lots of shows are now released um weekly mm-hmm. i love it i love it i love it um but uh, but it is not it, i don't think it is as significant to me as it is to you lacy how about you um, I, I have a lot of complicated feelings about The Crown, but at the base of it, I think I mourn the show that it started out being, and I more I mourn that I didn't get to see that show finish. Mm. If that makes sense, I really will just not be over the fact that Elizabeth was made an afterthought in her own story and forced to take a backseat to like a bajillion other characters who weren't as interesting as she was. I thought the show was always at its best when it was really trying to interrogate the idea between, you know, service and sacrifice and duty and, and, you know, 
what you would rather be mm-hmm. doing. And I just, whenever it, it, it touches on those issues of every time Elizabeth talks about, you know, the woman that she had to give yeah. up to become the woman she became, like that is where this story is at its most narratively and emotionally interesting for yeah. me. And every step they took away from that was a mistake. Yeah. The So, so it sounds like you, you believe that the first two episodes, first two episodes first two seasons rather uh were the strongest yeah for sure yeah, that, i i i agree i mean i think there are a lot of elements in the third and fourth season um that are good i think there's even some ep- some elements in this last in this mm-hmm. last batch of episodes that are good i think i can give you a laundry list of things i wish they'd done more of i wish they'd let Len- leslie manville have lines before that one episode yeah. they gave her i wish they would have really let us see what um you know, see more of what their relationship looked like as they both aged mm-hmm. and and it wasn't so much about competition between them anymore. Right. I would have loved to see a little bit about like what does the stage in Elizabeth and Philip's marriage look like? We had that whole subplot where he was like too friendly with the neighbor lady and then like that was like the last subplot he ever had, yeah. basically. Yeah. And it's I don't know, there's just all these little things that I, I would have found more interesting than some of the choices that they did make i never asked for an episode on the alfayed family and did not want one i liked the episode that we first were introduced to them in a significant way in the fifth season is that right i think so okay i think they had like a whole back they had like an origin story episode didn't they they had an origin story episode that was mixed in with um that was mixed in with edward with edward the eighth's uh abdication which I thought was actually a brilliant episode in that it set up uh, the the family as wanting to be part of this royal family. And the story about the butler was Mm -hmm. actually true. Yes. And that was actually historically accurate. And that was telling a story that most people don't know. And a story about people of color, which it doesn't get to do very often. So that was all very, very good. It's that second episode that was all about the that, that was all about the, the family that was like okay this is way too much, and again I, as 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 I think Sophie suggested and I and I and I the more you say it the more I think is correct you know Diana dragged the family off course and that is actually what happened but the show let it happen too and it shouldn't have. Or if the show had let it, if the show had realized that this was what was happening, well, it needed to do it from inside. And it didn't. Because again, I I hate to keep coming back to the queen. I mean, I don't hate it because I keep doing it. <laughs> but um, but to come back to the queen, like there is a way, because Peter Morgan has done it, to tell a story about things that happened to Diana that are is really a story about Elizabeth. Right. Yeah. And it just didn't, there's like no effort here. Yeah. The queen does it brilliantly because Diana never actually appears on camera as a character. Right. She's only there as footage. And same with Camilla, which I also think is a brilliant choice by keeping that soap opera off stage completely. It really does force you to be within the bubble and only see it from within the bubble. And had the show kept themselves within the bubble and only ever really viewed that, like, you can have Diana as a character, you can have Camilla as a character, and still keep the focus from inside the bubble. You can watch the bubble get dragged completely out, but you have to keep the focus in. And they lost that for about two and a half seasons. And that was... That's interesting. That's interesting, particularly since... Oh God! I just lost my train of thought. Oh, 
Hopefully it'll come back. Carry on. I'm like, I could talk about the queen some more. Yeah, oh, so, okay. This is a different thing that I wanted to get to. Maybe that other idea will come back. Who can say? Um, but the thing about the queen that I, I did want to bring back is that there were a number of lines in the, the last of those first four episodes that were just lifted directly from the queen and plunked That's right down. That's why I call it the anti queen. Like, Do you think, Netflix, Peter, can we just chat for a minute? Do you think? That we haven't seen that movie. Uh Really? Is that what you think? We're watching Uh this show and we haven't seen that little movie of yours? Come on, man. Um, And the other thing uh, about that, that I was just like, man, does Peter Morgan love a hunting the stag metaphor? Like that is just his favorite thing in the whole entire world. That is what makes him the most happy as a creator <laughs> of uh, of stories on the screen is when he can figure out a way to shoehorn stalking a stag as <laughs> a metaphor. Of, oh, again, subtlety. That is not his middle name. No. Um, if he can fit that into his into his show, I think that there is not one single moment of his life that makes him happier than being able to do that. And I, I just howled when it happened. I was like, of course, they're going to they're so outdoorsy and so emotionally constipated. Nobody's going to sit around and talk about like, so William and Harry, like it, uh, your mother is dead. And that is probably the worst thing that will ever happen to you. Um, but we're going to let you kill an yes, animal. In order, in or- that's, how, that's how you process your grief, obviously. <laughs> like, I mean, if you're not going to literally force you know adolescent oh boys to run in the mud like they do at that horrifying boarding school that prince philip and prince charles attended like the least you can do is take them out for a really bracing walk and kill a stag so um final thoughts about the crown <laughs> and um the potential that we have already been hearing about for a prequel um, I am I'm very curious to know what you guys think of it. I I am just like the fact that they pulled off six seasons to me is so is such a big deal that I can't even imagine a prequel. Like my brain just goes. Well, I just don't know what they do it about. Yeah. There's there's so much of her father's story in the first few seasons, and there's so much of you know her uncle's abdication, mm-hmm. and it's like that's all the good stuff that happens before this. Like I don't know, are we just gonna make Victoria again? Okay, I've right. seen Victoria. I, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I don't know, man. Like I, I, I mean, I I'm definitely about it if they want to pick like some obscure monarch from you know 100 years yes. ago and make a show about them. Would watch 100. Yeah. percent do I need it about King George? No. no. The um, yeah. So as I was thinking through that question yesterday, um, I, I actually my brain went in the opposite direction, which is like just you know how would you look at a spinoff? Not necessarily the opposite direction, but like what well, what would a spinoff that you would enjoy be? And I decided that my favorite spinoff would be um, like somehow maybe an anthology series. Uh, that were very few episodes like per season, maybe three that tracked very carefully the lives, times and work of the people who were in those rather obscure seeming royal household roles. Oh, I did love that with their weird jobs. I thought that was fascinating. Sure. Show us some stuff about swans. I'm the herb strewer. Yeah, the herb strewer. That's my job. The swan master. I would simply love to watch 20 consecutive minutes of fancy napkin folding techniques. I'll take it. 
I'm happy. It, it can be it can be fictionalized. It can be documentary footage. They could do it in a really arty way with like hardly any dialogue at all. Uh, whatever. I, I will watch those. That that would be great. But I don't. And at least, yeah, I think some obscure Hanoverians. I don't know. Yeah, like one of the billions of other Georges. Sure. Maybe. Because sure. there, there's just plenty. There's plenty. If we go back pre-Georgian, because um, yeah. you know Bridgerton's got the, you know Bridgerton right now right. is doing Regency and Georgian, so we can yeah. maybe go pre-Georgian. Ooh, what if we did a, a, a like super high budget, frothy, soapy, engrossing, self-aware? That's the other thing. This show is not really very self-aware. Yeah, no. uh, restoration comedy. I'll take that. I would watch. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah, I just really don't need like here's. Here's child Elizabeth and Margaret while their parents are like saving the world from the Blitz or right. something. Do not yeah, want no, do not no. need it. No, all do the not interesting need. bits of that we did already. Right. I was just yeah. gonna say we got perfect amounts of that. Yeah. Like let's not retroactively damage what was good about that by yeah. doing something really subpar. Yeah. yeah. And that's I think that that's part of my problem is that, that, you know, there there were there were parts of these six seasons that definitely did not hold water. There were definitely issues that the show had from between in 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 especially season five, I think, Mm -hmm. is probably the weakest of all. But they did the thing and they pulled it mostly pulled it off. Right. And and the idea of a prequel bothers me so much because managing to pull off this much as good as it managed is is no mean feat and let's not screw with that so that's that that's basically my feeling on it and you know i the other thing that i you know i used to joke when um when peter morgan first started doing this i was like man's getting a jump on the second lead to be the agent ain't even over yet um you know he's trying to be like he's trying to be shakespeare he's trying to get that first draft out before anybody else can do it um and i'm just like you know that the real the the you know, in order to really do your your Richard the Third, you need about three hundred years. Everybody forgets that he didn't have a hunchback when you read right, that. Right, right. Do we think this is going to stand the test of time, or do we think that that someone else is going to come along in about two hundred and fifty and and rewrite this and actually give us a real one? Because I'm thinking, the, the the more I think about, it, the more I think this ain't gonna hold. I yeah, I was the I think the the way that I would answer that question uh, is, I will absolutely and unreservedly continue to recommend that people watch the first two seasons. And if people, if viewers at that point find themselves, you know, oh, I really want to see what happens next. And then I would say, yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I'm not trying to control what people watch, but like as a recommender, as a professional, (laughs) as a professional recommender of things, I can only give an unqualified recommendation to the first two seasons. Seasons three, four and five are all kind of smushed together for me in a soup of like when it was good, it was good. I really do think that the, the show would have benefited tremendously from having fewer, a, a, a smaller episode run after the second season. There was a lot of filler in there, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I would say if you're super keen, like, yeah, I'll obviously carry on. But I don't recommend seasons beyond the second. Yeah, the way that I do those two. Stacey? 
I, don't, I lost the question. Oh, um, uh, it, do you think that this show will stand the test of time? Oh, probably not. Okay. Um, I think I th- actually I'm I'm being very critical of it again because I have a problem with setting my own like expectations versus what the show turned out to be, and those things are not in connection with each other. Um, the my version of the crown would have been better than this because it would have been about Elizabeth, and. I like I said I I missed the part of the show that didn't do that. I think at some point and maybe what we do need is a little bit of distance and um I think what we might actually need is William uh for this sort of extra step away distance mm. before somebody writes a really good like comprehensive kind of, of summation of the second Elizabethan age. Yeah. Yeah, I cuz I also think a lot of people aren't going to realize how good they had it till they don't have it for a while. Yeah. Do you mean in reality, vis-a-vis? Yeah. Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Not with The Crown is fine. I mean, the, the thing is, The Crown is a show is very propulsive. It's like a very easy, enjoyable yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's not bad television by any stretch. It's, it is a little bit more like I can see where this could have been stellar throughout and it just wasn't. Yeah. I have a quick question. Mm-hmm. Do you think that The Crown met its own goals? Like to the degree that we know or can imagine what the the... i truly somebody is gonna write a tell-all book someday about what changed when she died Mm. like of what went on behind the scenes like these conversations of like what do they do with the show how do they end the show like how do they even handle putting the show out in the immediate aftermath of that because season five like dropped maybe like two months after she died like, I don't know. I would love to just know how that impacted yeah. things. I think they would probably, to Annie, I think that to Annie's point, they would probably just be thrilled that they, like, finished it. But I would really love to know. I, I do honestly think there is a level where the fact that they got all six seasons, even if it, even if they cut down by 10 years, even if they didn't quite get all the way to 2012, et cetera, et cetera, that they do, that that there's a level where we did, we did the thing is really, is really a thing for Netflix. But also, um, yeah, you're right for Vulture. Give me the oral history right. of 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 Elizabeth of Elizabeth's death um and and its impact on the crown and mm. the release of season five. That would be amazing. Go go figure out which one of y'all vulture people can do that and get them to do it because I want it. I will read it. I suspect that incredibly stringent NDAs will prevent that from happening but but maybe they'll expire you know given enough time they yeah maybe maybe for the 10th anniversary or something yeah um because i'm saying i would totally 100 percent read that yeah. i would read oh, the yeah. hell out of that i love um, a behind the scenes i would write tell-all. the hell out of that if i had the connections yeah <laughs> because yeah. that is that is so the kind of jam that i love mm-hmm. is that kind of like is that kind of backstage, like, uh, you know, like that kind of drama of yeah. how do we drop this? When do we drop this? Because I actually believe that that is exactly when The Crown was supposed to come out in season five. I don't believe they moved it. But I do believe that all of the marketing got squashed. And mm-hmm. I do believe that there was a whole lot of like constipation on whether or not they should actually continue to keep it right where it was. And I also believe that the reason we didn't get that the reason that I didn't get screeners and a lot of people did not get screeners is because of her death and also their fear of Charles. 
that they were scared witless because that one was not nearly the pan to him that season six was. Anyway, um, so yeah, that, that's that. That's my <laughs> I, I, I'm yeah. I, I don't think that I'm there with you in agreement. However, uh, I I definitely agree with your interest in like a tell all behind the scenes thing. I think the closest thing we have to that, which is not actually about the show but is about Princess Margaret, is um, Ma'am Darling, 27 Glimpses of Princess Margaret. Definitely, that that's worth a read. It's a really quick read. Uh, and, it, and it gives you a lot of facets of a complicated, charming, impossible person. I'll bet she was. Yeah. Aww. Yeah. You guys can probably skip spare. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know what? I, Just read like a summary. You'll get the high points. It's very long. You can edit people if even if they're royal. Yeah. I, I, yes. Oh, boy. I, I read that in its entirety for another podcast. My I am so Renata, proud of you. Yeah. My friends <laughs> Renata and Kate uh, have a wonderful podcast called The Worst Bestsellers, where <laughs> they and guests read not great books so that you don't have to. I mean, thank you for taking that oh, for the team. My poor mother tried to read it. I was like, I was like, man, I, I salute you, yeah. but you're not getting through that if I yeah. didn't get through it. And right. she did not get through it. L- Lacey, what, I missed what you said. <laughs> what did I even say? I don't even know. <laughs> Shoot. I don't know. We're well over time we is what Apologies. I meant to be saying. Yeah. Because clearly I have forgotten many things that I was going to say. So, The Crown, truly an end of an era. It's over. Yep. Uh, long live Elizabeth II, and uh, I guess Charles is there now. It's fine. It's okay. Uh, the, 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 the William and Kate era will come soon. I don't know, man. That family, they live a long time. They do. It's the women that are so long-lived, though. Mm. Um Anyway, before I get before I get sidetracked in talking into talking about the real life monarchy any more than I already have been, um, <laughs> huzzah! We did it, guys. Huzzah. We finished the crown. We have finished this episode. Sophie, number one, thank you for joining us this week for this fraught and uh, <laughs> colossal, supersized topic. And uh, tell the people where they can read more of your thoughts on things online. Absolutely. Well, thank you uh, again for having me back. Uh, What a treat to speak with you both about something that is obviously not super important in the grand scheme of things, but important enough to us to to have devoted so much of our time and energy in watching and thinking and talking about it. Um, So people can find me. Well, first of all, you can find me at televisions.org, where I have been writing a weekly column on the absolute genius uh, of the costume designs worn by Carrie Coon in HBO's The Gilded Age, um, and uh, and a bunch of other things. More to come. Um, you can find me around the internet. Um, mostly, I use Sophie Biblio as my handle. I think you'll find most of what might interest you as TV people uh, over at Twitter, although probably I will be decamping permanently to Blue Sky in the new year. Um, and yeah, if you just Google Sophie Brookover, you'll... I am, as far as I know, the only one of my name, and uh, you'll find more of my uh, sprightly words at places like Vulture and the Daily Beast, etc. 
Huzzah. Annie, your turn. Uh, you can find me at any bundle basically on all social medias except Twitter because I am no longer there. Uh, you can find me uh, basically around the internet. Um, I, uh, I'm i the associate editor here at Televisions and I also freelance um, lots of different places. Paste, uh, Primetimer, MSNBC, etc, etc. Just Google me um, and you can find what I wrote this week. Thanks. Um, huzzah part two i am lacy mb on all of the social media platforms that let you pick your own username and i write a lot here at televisions and around the entertainment web but i always tweet my bylines or skeet them or i don't know what do we call threading threads them (laughs) thread them something i put them on the internet for others to see but if you don't want any of that and you just want the site and the pod we are on facebook at televisions blog all one word and we have a whole website full of news and recaps and reviews and listicles and all manner of things which you can find at televisions.org up at the top of that page there is a big old donate button if you feel so inclined to help us keep making all of this content for your eyes and ears as we head into the holiday giving season in doing so you can also get access to pbs passport which i'm trying to mentally run down the list of all the things that will be available early and exclusively on it in the next few months and it is a very long list including the new seasons of all creatures and miss scarlet and i don't know there's a bunch of stuff i'm forgetting uh that is our show thank you for sticking into what i am pretty sure is the second or third supersized episode we've done in the past few weeks we love and appreciate you and uh hope that you all had a wonderful Christmas if that is what you celebrate if you had a great few days off we hope that is also true Um, we still have uh, more episodes to come because we're just making more content than usual this year but take care of yourselves take care of each other we appreciate each and every one of you listening out there in the dark and uh, we will see you next week